Well, welcome back with us to uh, Cave to the Cross Apologetics. I'm Tony. And I'm Patrick. And today we're going to continue our discussion on Jason Lyle's book, Keeping the Faith in Age of Reason, Refuting Alleged Bible Contradictions. We are working our way through his chapter uh, with regard to timing of events, mm -hmm. right? And so we've worked our way to, uh, as we mentioned last time, he has all of these numbered. There are hundreds of them that he's looking at, over 400 actually. And so we've worked our way to number 122. Mm -hmm. And so we want to pick up here. It says, at what time of day was Jesus crucified? Well, was he crucified at 3.32 and 45 seconds? Well, maybe. <laughs> However, since, since you're referring to the archaic watch. <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 we're that would be uh eastern tony time. <laughs> we we're not sure about the vibration of the cesium atom that uh, that atomic clocks are synced up to. So uh, we don't quite have it down uh but here we understand that in this time in this place uh daylight seems to be the the big factor of of timekeeping. Yeah, and how they kept time then is different than how we keep time. Now, in fact, how the Jews kept time and then is different than how the Romans <laughs> kept time then. So, you know, the issue is Mark 15:25 seems to contradict John 19:14 through 16 in terms of at what time of day was Jesus crucified. <laughs> so, why don't, why don't we take a, a look at those yeah. uh, passages so that we can see what he's getting at? Mm -hmm. uh, Mark 15:25 says and it was the third hour when they crucified him, meaning Jesus. John nineteen fourteen through 16 says, Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took uh, so they took Jesus. Right, so they delivered him over to be crucified. And John there is telling us that it was about the sixth, sixth hour, hour mm -hmm. whereas uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 15, told us that it was the uh, third hour. Mm -hmm. Right, so three or six, those are different different times. So uh, Lyle points out here that what this is is somatic anachronism mm -hmm. and failure to read the text carefully. The crucifixion notice did not happen as I was indicating with my watch. Um, it was at a specific. It wasn't an inst instantaneous event. It mm -hmm. happened over a period of time, right? This right. thing. I mean, part of it had to do with with torture. Mm -hmm. That was part of where crucifixion right. was, and so it was a prolonged event mm -hmm. that just didn't happen at one time. Right. right. right? Yeah. It's not a firing squad or lethal injection. This is something that's uh, designed specifically for pretty much the worst of all criminals because um, this was kind of reserved for enemies of the state. Yeah. So the thieves yeah. on the cross were uh, next to Christ were most likely thieves who had stolen military equipment or, or something against the state of Rome. Oh, they weren't Rome. just right. normal thieves up there, and right. that's why... Right. Um, so it was a crime against Rome mm -hmm. is the, is the right. issue. Yeah. And that's why uh, Barabbas was seen to be... Uh, the the perfect person for Pilate to put up because uh, he he was this person who was uh, uh, 
uh, trying to incite um, the, the, the rebellion the, uh, against, against Rome, Rome. which yeah. would yeah. be bad for everybody, which we would <laughs> later see in around 70 AD. Yeah. <laughs> the entire temple gets burnt down and uh, destroyed to the very foundation. All right. So a couple of things are going on here. Uh, note that uh, Lyle tells us that when the text is carefully read, only Mark's gospel gives the time of day that Jesus was crucified at the third hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, inferring that Mark is using, notice, the Jewish reckoning of time. This would correspond to around 9 a.m. in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus had went through this trial that lasted, you know, the night and so the forth. legal trial. Actually, yeah. several trials mm-hmm. he, he went through. Uh, and then so around 9 a.m. is uh, which would be uh, what would be the time that I, but they they call this the third hour, mm-hmm. right? So clearly they rec- they reckon time different. They they calculated time different. Theirs was based on you know a day and a night, right? And so hours for them could be longer or shorter depending on how long or how short the day and the night were, mm-hmm. even, right? Yeah, because so, uh, that's a big thing that we see even today of of um, the the Sabbath and things needing to happen at. Um, 6 p.m. when kind of sundown occurs. Right. Um, so th- they tend to think of night to day and then a day, uh, any kind of any part of a day counting as a day. Right. And so the other Gospels, uh, they don't state when Christ was crucified, but only indicate that there was darkness from mm-hmm. the 6th to the ninth hour. Which would be around noon to about 3 p.m. Right. So mm-hmm. notice the sixth hour is what... We, so the Romans would call that around noon mm-hmm. and this, the sixth hours, and the Jews called that the sixth hour. Mm-hmm. So clearly they were using different ways to, to connote, uh, you know, denote what, what time, mm-hmm. how time was being uh, kept, right? So he uh, he also quotes, I had the critic read John nineteen fourteen through 16 carefully, he would have realized that it does not mention the time of the crucifixion <laughs> at all. Right. 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 Rather, John refers to the time in which Pilate questioned Jesus. John reports that this was about the sixth hour. So mm-hmm. the crit- critic may have, he says, erroneously assumed that this was by a Jewish, Jewish reckoning, which would put it at noon, but... Of course, it can't be because Mark indicates that it was at, uh, three hours before. So it seems clear that John is using Roman reckoning mm-hmm. of time. Well, and and we we can also infer this too as John probably being the the later edition of of the Gospels, so the the last one being written. And so, who who's his specific audience at this point in time? Well, it's probably the the greater world. So he's writing for not just a Jewish audience, not just um, uh, an audience where um, who are going to be receiving this, who kind of know um, the people and they kind of have to be um, worried about the names that you kind of see in Mark where it mentions the woman rather than specific names that you see in other ones. Um, but but there's a reason why believers tend to point to John being the, the one to, to read um, first for new believers or um, um just new people to the Bible because it's written for kind of a, a, a Greek, a Western ge- in general um, audience rather than mm-hmm. yeah, he uh, wrote kind for of the Jewish world. one. Yeah. Right. He wrote for the for the world, and so yeah, and so he was, and he said he wrote in order that we might believe. Mm-hmm. So he was attempting to show, give give us reasons why we should believe that Jesus Christ was was um, was the Messiah. All right, so. Um, 
Are we clear on that then? Yeah. and uh, So Jesus didn't die at a specific, I mean, he wasn't crucified. The crucifixion wasn't at a specific, mm-hmm. you know, time of day. It happened over a period of time. Um, John doesn't even say. He just says that he was he was going to give him mm-hmm. over to crucifixion. Mark tells us it was the the, the, um, what, the third hour, right? And so, so yeah. that's one. Well, and, and we see when, when um, the... Jews are asking that um, the, the bodies be taken down um, because uh, of the approaching um, uh, Sabbath. Sabbath, right. Um, so when would the Sabbath begin? So it would be 6 o'clock on that Friday evening, evening yeah. according to our time. Right, right. Um, but we see the, the Romans going out to break the legs of the, the people on the cross, so that way they asphyxiate way quicker. Like right, that's, right. that's almost, if, if you wanted to say that's where crucifixion leading to death happens that's that's the the point and they go out and see that christ has already uh, has already died and so um they don't have to break any of his bones which is also fulfillment of scripture Hmm. um so um that's that that's it's the crucifixion is a process with the specific moment of death being because you kind of asphyxiate uh um Usually, but right. Jesus has been scared, and having the entire weight of the sins of the world on you uh, tends to take a, a, a more uh, <laughs> takes a lot tale. out of a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Good. okay. Um, next one here is um, which came first? It's a which came first uh, question. Or the egg. Well, we know yeah. this one: the chicken, because <laughs> yeah. creation on the yeah. sixth day, <laughs> easy. So which came first, the calling of Peter and Andrew or the imprisonment of John the Baptist? Mark 1.14 and so forth seems uh, puts this calling after John's imprisonment. But John 1 and 3 puts it before John's imprisonment. Mm -hmm. So which came first? Yes. Well, this is a bifurcation fallacy because... Peter and Andrew were called into kind of two different ministries, one being John the Baptist's ministry, and then uh, finally um, being called out of that into um, into Jesus. A specific Jesus. role with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So firstly, they met Jesus with when they were as part of John the Baptist's ministry, and then started to follow Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But then later, they were called specifically into the ministry uh, that Jesus wanted them to be uh, a part of, right? Right. Yep. So, um, you know, you have to ask which calling, right? Mm-hmm. There was the first one and there was the second one. So there was two here. So he calls this the bifurcation fallacy, mm-hmm. right? Or the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, in other words, either A or B is the case. Well, in this case, it was both. Right. Yeah. You have two different authors writing about two different things. And we we would we would give, not even the benefit of the doubt, but we would do... The proper understanding of these are two different authors writing about two different things yeah. for for anything else, and so again, th- this type of argumentation, like it, not that I believe that there are, there are points to that are good arguments against Christianity, but ar- arguing these type of points are are, are just s- silly, and yeah. and yeah. they they don't do your position any good. And then on the opposite end, when Christians use poor examples. Not like this, but of the same quality. Um, we we tend to fall in those same traps yeah, too. So we need to be careful. Yeah, as well. Good. All right. Um, so let's move on to uh, number one thirty-three. 
Was Jesus crucified the day before or the day after the Passover meal? Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, th- this one I, I think tends to get brought up a lot in uh, apologetics books like this and other ones that um, that I've seen um, uh, because of exactly, you know, uh, wh- what did the Passover week look like? Was it just a single day? Well, it, it seems like it's more than just a single day that the Passover week is occurring because of exactly when everything is falling and um, and we we tend to again not think in in Jewish terms in the Jewish calendar and here we have kind of the, the, where the where the problem um, gets it um, gets gets brought so forth. So he suggests that this one then is uh, again due to semantic anachronism mm-hmm. fallacy and failure to read the text carefully. Notice, uh, was Jesus crucified the day before, the day after the Passover? The answer is neither. neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's because Jesus was crucified on the day of Passover by the Jewish reckoning, right. so by the Jewish calendar. Um, that would be um, on the Friday. And then... Of course, the day would then, according to oh, how Jewish Jews kept time, would begin at sunset. Right. On Thursday, on Thursday right? leading into Friday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like being on third shift. I, I know this perfectly. I always talk about, you know, yes, I work Thursday going into Friday, so that right. you know, daywalkers know exactly <laughs> when I'm talking about. And I also, so can, you you'd be a night walker. Then? Yeah, I'm a night walker. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 about trying to figure out how to how a person is talking about how they're splitting up their day, and also. The Passover week being a, a preparation throughout the entire week and not just a single day. Um, so, this, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, just uh, John uh, nineteen fourteen through sixteen is um, uh, is one of the passages. Um, now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, "Behold, your king!" They cried out, "Away with him! Away with him!" And this was Pilate. And then uh, Mark fourteen twelve says that on the first day of unleavened bread when they sacrificed the Passover lamb his disciples said to him where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover and then Mark 15 25 says it was the third hour when they crucified him um, and I know Bart Ehrman tends to use this um, example as an issue with the problem with the text but he seems to not not learn when when brought up in in debates about exactly how this this thing occurs and it seems like he's trying to force John into forcing the crucifixion to happen on um, the the sacrifice of the Passover lamb so that it it rings super uh, um, symbolic with with Christ's um, own, own death as well mm-hmm. well, or it's occurring exactly when uh, the 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 um, scriptures have it laid out, and you just need to read the text carefully and understand what who's talking in what time frame. Good. All right. So, uh, was Jesus crucified the day before or the day after? Neither. He was crucified on the day, mm-hmm. right when the day started, uh, which would have been um, sunset Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right? He celebrated the Passover meal on Thursday evening after sunset. He was crucified on Friday, which was still Passover by the Jewish calendar. Right. All right. Um, well, here, since we're talking about the Passover, let's go over <laughs> here to 135, 
when did Satan enter Judas before the Passover meal, Luke 22, or during it, John uh, 13. All right. So this, again, is one of these bifurcation fallacies. <laughs> Either A or B is the case. Why, mm-hmm. you, know, wh- you know, this is kind of, you know, why does, not, why, why does it have to be one or the mm-hmm. other, right? And uh, so that's what he's talking about here, and spe- uh, specious reasoning. So, uh, you know, he says this can't happen more than once. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's not like saying, you know. So uh, this is kind of like a false dilemma. Right. I, right? I, I, I did my work on Friday and then, oh, I, but I did different work on Friday. It's like, no, it, I did work on Friday and then I also did work on Saturday. There, there's, there's two events that are happening and there's no reason for it not to be able to um happen a second time yeah so the luke passages passage in the case of satan entered judas when the passover was approaching Mm -hmm. luke 22 right um 22 7 right Uh, 22 1 through 3 oh yeah and then uh 3 and 7 so uh 3 is then satan entered judas iscariot who was uh of the number of the 12 and this occurred uh, on in verse seven, then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, and then the John thirteen twenty seven was, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, "What you are going to do, do quickly." Yeah. So yes, so, it does look like it's two different times, and that's because it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is two different times. Yeah. So yeah, he, when did he enter both times? Mm-hmm. Right, Satan entered both times. All right, and then. Uh, the last one here that we want to consider, and it's the last one in this particular chapter on time <laughs> issues, is uh, number 138. Yeah. When did Jesus' temple tantrum occur? Uh, wow. Tantrum is in quotes here. <laughs> um, I think he's pulling uh, this, this uh, when did Jesus' temple tantrum uh, occur, specifically from the, the, the list that uh, that's referred to at the beginning. Yeah. Um, that the uh, that the uh, the, uh, He's the critic yeah. uh, is is saying mm-hmm. yeah. and I have to say like this is probably one of the first uh, uh, contradictions that I've I, I I saw when I was first starting out and um, it 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 would get me too because of the way that it's presented it seems like um, when when John uh, presents it. He contradicts uh, Luke and Matthew, um, which also contradicts uh, Mark. So all four of them talk about it, but they all, all don't seem to get it right. And that's true if, again, you're only talking about one, one time. Yeah. Yeah. But here you have the, the, the very fact that John 2, early, Luke 19, later, Matthew 21, later, and Mark 11, relatively early, um, is is occurring in those chapters and that's because he does it more than once and why why wouldn't he right yeah so he calls this the question begging epithet fallacy and bifurcation <laughs> fallacy yeah so right. by calling it tantrum you're you're saying that he had no reason to do this well yeah. the the very fact that Christ is passionate about what occurs in the holy place uh, where sacrifice is supposed to happen especially uh, at the start of his ministry and uh, even probably more so at the end of his ministry mm-hmm. is of, of very big importance and it also shows just how lax uh, the Jews have begotten where they care mm-hmm. more about 
not having the face of Caesar in place or having a, a marketplace where you're getting rich so that you can sell um, the, the types of animals that need to be sacrificed in a place where you could just clearly do it outside, but by bringing it inside, you're defiling what's, what's supposed to be occurring in those areas. And of course, a holy and righteous God <laughs> would, you know, be uh, angry right. any time mm-hmm. that the people defamed uh, his temple, yeah. right? And, and notice, with regard to the idea of tantrum, it wasn't that Jesus lost control and, the, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, he was, this was a... This was righteous indignation. It was an appropriate uh, response to what was going on with regard to how people were defaming God and the temple by their activity. Mm -hmm. And so a holy and righteous God, this is what we would expect. You know, all too often, especially in our day, we don't see sin as really sin, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's a little white lie here or it's, you know, I'm not as bad as somebody else because I'm comparing myself with, you know, Hitler, okay, fine, or Jeffrey Dahmer, you know. No, no, no. Sin is sin. Sin is an affront against a holy and a righteous God, and it it has to be dealt with, or God is not just, Mm -hmm. right? Or what we're seeing today in in our era is when we're calling evil good and good evil so we're having people within the church spring up and say what was once considered sin and that could be anything from i mean homosexuality is probably the clearest example but you also have um um, women uh, pastors or um just i mean it's so, so so many things are now coming out where um, you even have uh, uh, a need for kind of uh, racial introspection to, to come out so that you should be cleansed from those sins and repent from those sins when uh, th- there's, there's no, there's no, should be no distinction between um, m- members of the body no, no matter what. And it seems yeah. like those, those things are being harped on because that's what the culture of, at large is talking about. So we need to... to uh, take what the culture is saying and, and apply it to uh, what we're doing. Yeah. And so here Christ is saying, here's what the culture is, is saying that's okay by, by having these money changers, which, hey, uh, you, you don't want to uh, present Caesar's face before the Almighty God, so let me um, change out your money for a, a certain price. And so I and they inflate the price and they get the profit mm-hmm. and it's really yeah, yeah it's, it's turned into a, a money issue mm-hmm. as opposed to a you know, a, a worshipful experience mm-hmm. yeah. and with regard to God. Right. And, yeah. and you're and you're also pushing out the, the Gentile believers in this area. Because there's no place for them to go, right? right? right. They're, they're, at, they're they unable to They completely filled the Gentile mm-hmm. area, yeah. right? Yeah. And so here, here, here you're having a, a, a designated spot where that, that was the sole purpose of of. Um, of Israel, com- of, of Israel oh, yeah. is to be that light and beacon to the people of the world mm-hmm. and the temple being kind of the, the pinnacle point where you draw people to, which is to, to uh, God. And they seem to close it off more so because um, they're under Roman occupation. But we see even with uh, the centurion, the centurion seems to be a God fear and comes to Christ humbly, uh, sends a servant more likely, and then asks that Christ um, heal, uh, heal yeah, his, his servant. Matthew chapter eight, right? Yeah. And so, if if he wanted to go to to um, 
go and worship where um, he he knew um, the, the Yahweh ex, uh, existed in um, a, a, a specific reason where worship should be given. Um, he he's having to just mix it up with money changers and, yeah. and oxen and all the the pigeons and everything <laughs> else that that uh, is sacrificed. And so, um, yes, this is a, a big reason, and it's it's so applicable today about. Uh, yes, we're, we're, we're inclusive in who we bring into the church and that we're not uh, respective of position or power or skin color or race or, or uh, um, um, gender or what have you. But um, we also have to be uh, clear that what the Bible says is, um, is sin and what is, should be purged and, and carried away with the old man and put on the, the new creation those are the things that we should encourage and we have to make a, a dividing line between uh, who is actually a, a sheep and then who is a goat mm-hmm. and, and wolves come in in between those two groups so, as well so, so it seems like then this, this, um, this purging of the temple that Jesus did was a response to at least two occasions where he did mm-hmm. this was a response to how these people were what they were doing in the, the holy temple that God had set aside to, you know, for His name to, to dwell in, mm-hmm. right? and it was appropriate. It was righteous indignation, and um, and um, we would expect that a holy God responds that way. In fact, the issue is, you know, why aren't we being punished for our sin? Yeah. And of course, for believers, that's already happened. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus Christ paid the punishment for our sins. He died on the cross for our sins and uh, and and took uh, God's righteous anger, wrath, and punishment on himself, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and therefore God can be just because now he can justify the sinner. He can say that I am not guilty even though I am but because Jesus Christ was my substitute mm-hmm. and he died and paid for my sins in my place. And he can give me, since Jesus Christ was God and holy, Jesus's righteousness. And he can place that on my account. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the transition, the, right. that the transaction rather that happened uh, as a person become happens as a person becomes a believer. And, and we, when we see that prophecy occurring too, with the woman at the well and John, T- talking about how um, the, the the there'll be no temple location, but that um, uh, later in the New Testament we're mm-hmm. we're, we're we're called uh, people of the church are called uh, th- that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. there you have you as a believer becoming what what Christ has done, and so we see that uh, he goes in and, and cleanses the temple, ridding you of of sin. Uh, cleansing you, making you able to, and the great thing about it is he doesn't have to keep coming in and yeah. sweeping it in. Yeah. You're 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 cleansed, and it's your sanctification process that that by living out the Christian faith that you're finding ways to to further um, show God's glory in your life by by you acting out um, through faith in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit as a representative of the Father. Yeah. 
All right. So that's the end of this chapter on yeah. various issues that had to do with timing of events, mm -hmm. right? And so the next chapter is cause and effect, and we will pursue that next time. Yeah. So, uh, again, remember that uh, you don't have to uh, apologize for being a Christian, but uh, be like us and do apologetics because yeah. that's what we're called to do. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you next time.